Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yes, I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. In honor of Women's National History Month, we're here to do three things. Remind you that your body is beautiful, by dieting, and find pleasure in food in a healthy way. Fad dieting is a 60 plus billion industry because it doesn't actually work. And here's the pattern. We do the program and it works the first time. We try to keep it up and inevitably fail because it's not feasible. Then we end up blaming ourselves, gaining the weight back. And when you're re-inspired, yes. like about a year later, diet that yes. worked for you before, you we try are so, it again. I, we are so excited to have you. I am so super we have the two mamas who have dominated this conversation. They help podcast. women become intuitive eaters and, and feel at home in their bodies. Please welcome so Jenna and Lauren from the Body Love Society. Like equally interested and also so scared of it <laughs> at the same mm. time I'm like but I want to be but thin is good isn't it good the good the right thing um and so I'm curious I wanted to know a little bit on of your backstory how did the two of you really start this journey of the body love society and what made you want it's it's a so intuitive eating is a book but the two of you have really created a movement with this can you just share a little bit about your story and how you got to this point well, we're definitely only a tiny little speck in the field of amazing people who are doing this work. So, um, and a lot of those, we are thin white girls, so we do have a lot of privilege. Um, and that is a part of why people listen to us and maybe not people in fat bodies mm. because we have less of a personal investment. So I think people are like, okay, well, let's listen to what they're saying because maybe they have a point. Whereas if someone is a fat body sharing this and they're like, oh, we'll just stop being a victim. And we've just heard awful things even to ourselves and we have a lot of privilege. So just start by saying like, we are just one tiny dot in this, mm. in this movement. And a lot of the people who are the people at the front are people in black bodies and fat bodies and um, those that don't get the same attention all the mm. time. So that's just an important That's note. very well said. <laughs> but going into our own stories, I know Lauren and I have very similar stories. So I'll just give kind of the starter as we were both very, very intense dieters. Lauren kind of closer to eating disorder. I probably would have been if anyone was looking <laughs> mm. or thinking there was a problem, but it's all I got was, yay, you look so good. You've lost weight. You're thin. Yay, yay, yay. No matter mm. what was going on behind the scenes, no one seemed to really care, even adults in my life. Um, they just thought it was good because mm. I was eating healthier, quotes, <laughs> and working out. So that must be a good thing. Mm. Um, mm. And then even though it wasn't, <laughs> right, right, yeah. Oh, wow. I can super relate to that uh, so much. It was it was like, oh, wow, you look so thin. And oh, wow, you, you look like you gained a couple pounds always. It was like the conversation of my family, it felt. Um, and meanwhile, I was like really hurting inside. And I actually, you know, tried certain methods that were had eating disorder tendencies. Um, and worked through that quickly, um, and just stopped. Like, you know, that, 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 um, uh, Saturday Night Live clip where the woman comes in, I think she's, I think she's dealing with bulimia and she's like 
telling him her whole story and he's like, you know what? Stop it. Stop it. And I, I, my, I heard that voice in my head. And, um, but it was so painful because my family didn't know what was going on emotionally. So mm. I just, I appreciate what you said. I felt really, uh, really recreated. That's why we're really big on um, like promoting, like not um, talk, like complimenting weight loss because people think that's such a compliment and you know that's what everybody really is striving for really it's like the compliment and once we can like stop the compliments and stop even making any even looking at people's bodies it's like we are much more interesting than just our bodies um and a lot of people kind of push back on that because yes people want to feel validated we get that we we wanted that too. We wanted the compliments. Uh, but the thing is, is they stop if the weight loss stops and then, you know, you have to go in into all of that. So that's why a really big thing is to just keep the focus off of everybody's body. And you have no idea what people are going through. Most likely, well, I don't want to say most likely, but a lot of the time when people are complimenting weight loss, they have no idea if they're going through grief, if they are on medication, if they are ill, if mm. they would just went through a breakup, like who knows? So um, there's so many things that could be going on or if somebody has an eating disorder. So um, we're, we just like to really keep the conversation away from, you know, commenting on bodies at all. Yeah, that's really great. I, I think what everyone is pointing to is that we've become a diet-obsessed culture and there's a huge weight stigma. And I know weight stigma is something that you guys touch a lot on um, in your podcast and everything. Can you, can you kind of touch on like, how did we become this diet-obsessed culture and what can we do to shift the, the paradigm conversation around weight stigma? Because I know for me personally, I'm, there's, I'm really interested in the principles of intuitive dying, but I not dying, dieting. <laughs> and intuitive eating, not intuitive dieting. Intuitive eating. Wow, I can talk. <laughs> so I'm really, I'm really interested in the principles of intuitive eating. See, I even said it, intuitive dieting. Um, but I am like, like switching my brain to like not thinking about my weight. I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? <laughs> I'm like, I have no idea how to do that. And that, and that's that's why this work is hard. If that wasn't part of the work, if weight stigma wasn't a thing, there would be, we would not be here because, I mean, other people said this before, this isn't our thing, but like if dieting didn't exist, intuitive eating would just be eating. Mm. We are born intuitive eaters. Kids don't eat based on what they want to weigh. They eat based on if they're hungry, if something sounds good, uh, what's in front of them, what's offered, what they feel like. It's very easy. And then you, they leave half the cookie and they go run and play. And that's how we would be if we weren't taught to focus on weight. Like what we're doing is helping people get back to that. Mm. Get back to the reality and the science and the studies that show we do not have control over our body size as much as we do, thought we did or have told, been told we do. Because yeah. for many people, they're like, well, yeah. I worked so, 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 so hard and I've always been thin. Yeah, if you didn't work hard, you'd probably still be pretty thin. Like, like me, I was very, very thin modeling overseas. And now I'm still straight size. I'm not as thin, but I'm not now all of a sudden a uh, totally different size. It's because, yeah, I was working so hard, but my body is just naturally the, like a smaller size. 
Mm-hmm. So for someone who's in a larger body, who's working their whole lives to try to be smaller, yeah, they might get a bit smaller, but then their body brings them back to their natural size. Right. Mm-hmm. Because our bodies do not want to be manipulated like that. Mm. Super interesting. And I, it's really to, it's really to talk on, like if we're talking about weight stigma, it's like the deepest, if we're trying to get to the core, to the root, it is, it's all fat phobia and just discrimination against fat people. That's what it is about larger bodies. And we, mm. I think when people don't hear other people using the word fat, they think it's really offensive. And we actually use that word because it's just a descriptor. Mm. So that's why we use that word. So I want to put that out there because it could come off as like, wow, these girls are harsh. And and it's it's not, it's not a harsh thing. It's okay to be fat. It's okay. And I know, of course, as Jenna already said, you know, we do live in thinner bodies, so we do have thin privilege. So therefore we do not, we are not discriminated against. We don't walk into doctor's offices and get different treatment. We are treated well. And that is, if we're going to talk about an issue of all of this, that's where it all comes from. It's wow. from people feeling very scared to be fat. And the thing is what we teach it's okay to be whatever body size that you are, um, because that's how we're meant to be on the planet. We're all, we're, we would all live in diverse bodies if we all ate the same thing and worked out the same way. No matter what, we would all be different. And that's a beautiful thing in our eyes. Yeah, that's great. I, I've never heard, um, what did she say? Thin privilege? I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> and it, it is honestly, I'd say one of the bigger privileges in our world because I mean first of all that's the thing everyone's trying to be why because that's when you're treated better that's when uh more people compliment you that's when you get the jobs that's when you get the love interests that's when you get the that's all everyone on tv is thin all the media says that how you should be every model is thin like that is what our society plays into. So of course we're all on diets Mm. because we're taught you'll be happier. You'll have love. You'll get the job. You'll be beautiful. You'll be respected. You'll be treated better if you're Mm. thinner. So of course it's not as, it's not about vanity. It's about wanting to be safe and wanting to be loved. Mm. And it's much, much deeper than the way we look. Mm. Yeah, But when you unlearn that like, hey, actually, if I just honor my body and listen to my body signals and eat enough and rest enough and do all the things that our society teaches us not to do, I actually will be healthier and happier and at peace. And I might also be in a larger body because of that. And that's okay. Mm. I can be healthy. I can be active. I can be whatever I want to be and let my body be its own size. I do not have to spend the next 30 years trying to be as thin as I can be. Mm, yeah. And in fact, we would recommend to not do that. Yeah. I mean, how freeing would that be if you didn't have to keep having that? I mean, it's a constant conversation. I live with my best friend. We're both, you know, women and we talk about it every fucking day. Okay, this is the this is what we're going to do. This week we're going to go on a cleanse. We're going to it's like it's like a the number one topic at the house and I'm like what would be so freeing on the other side of that? So that's the part that intrigues me, right? Like the freedom, but I just can't even begin. I don't even, how does somebody, so if somebody's interested in intuitive eating and, you know, the undiet culture, like what's the first step? How do you even begin to wrap your brain around this concept? Well, 
Well, we do have, so we have created the undiet. And so we have five phases of the undiet. And of course, we've learned a lot of intuitive eating. Like this isn't our thing. We were not the creators of intuitive eating, but we, you know, take on this work and we've created the undiet. And so we do have five phases. And the first phase is the initial exit. So that basically is the phase where you're like, I am over dieting. I can't diet for one more day and I need to do something different. So that's kind of just like you've chosen not to diet anymore. Uh, Phase two is the diet mentality detox. So if if you want to think of like, how do I even begin this? It's like, you got to really break down the diet mentality. We have to unlearn so many, so many belief systems. And so it takes work. That's why it does take work. And a lot of this is just mindset. We like to say it's 90% mindset, 10% really about food. We don't even talk about food really in the work that we do. I mean, of course, a little bit, but mostly we're just saying allow all food. It's okay to eat the food. It's not good or bad, you know, kind of go through what intuitive eating is all about, but it's really getting rid of that diet mentality. And then, you know, of course, there's a lot to go into all this. So just to say the five steps, the third uh, phase is the inner self work. So that's a lot to do with like, you know, body image and all the, again, it's, it's inner work. It's not just like, okay, let's pretend, let's not pretend, let's be intuitive eaters and everything's just going to be great. It's like, you got to do the inner work or it's not going to, it's not going to work. And then the fourth phase is the embodiment of intuitive eating. So we like to say, you might know a lot about intuitive eating. You might read the book, you might listen to podcasts, you might get a lot of knowledge and be like, this is great. I love this but it's really about feeling it, like really embodying what intuitive eating is. It's not just gaining more knowledge. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth phase is wellness without the obsession. So that's really, you can still have wellness. You could still care about your health. A lot of people think intuitive eating is just eat whatever you want and you just give up and you don't care about anything (laughs) and your health goes to shit and just everything sucks. That's not (laughs) the truth. And you can have wellness without the obsession where you care about your health and you move in ways that you enjoy and you allow all food and you have a really um, healthy relationship with food in your body. Yeah. And speaking of food, we talk a lot on this show. We call ourselves the Pleasure Positive Podcast. So we talk a lot about pleasure on this show. And two of the greatest pleasures in life are, I mean, I think food and sex, right? Like, let's just be honest. (laughs) And, and I can see like, let's, let's all just have a, like a chat, like about how that can affect, like, if you've got a weight stigma, you know, happening, like how that's going to affect your sex life and being able to like enjoy food and like the pleasures of life. I can definitely tell you this life is much more Mm. pleasurable than my dieting life was, even though like I was a model living overseas, that should be the most pleasurable. Mm. But it was, it probably looked that way from the outside, but my actual experience of life was very um, restrained, restraint, restriction. Like that's not pleasurable. What's pleasurable? to me now is just like, I wake up, I eat breakfast, I carry on with my day, but I eat food I enjoy. I'm satisfied. I move on. Done. I have dessert every night. (laughs) It's no big deal. Um, Food is enjoyable. And then also like the relationship part and love and sex and all of that stuff. I do find like when you're accepting Mm -hmm. of yourself, you then find that same energy in either your partner. And if you don't, a new partner, (laughs) Mm. which wants who wants to only find love when you look quote unquote perfect 
Like we have a lot of people we work with, they're like, oh, but I'm single. And what about this? It's like, okay, so you want to lose weight and then find your partner. And then what if you gain that weight back and then they don't want you anymore? That's the kind of person you want to spend five years with. Or do you want to kind of let your body find its landing place? Because everyone's body, it's called a set point weight. It's about a 20 pound Mm. range that like your body's happiest in. So when you push it below that, your body rebounds back. And that's why many people gain back more weight than they lost in the first place. Mm. And that's why dieting makes you fatter over time. Um, And so when you intuitively eat, you usually land in that range. And then you fluctuate within that range because life happens. Okay. Um, That I have mm. to be honest, it relieves me to hear that there's a 20 pound range. Because I'm like, I'm like, what if my, like when you said a set weight, I'm like, that's one number and I'm going to hate that number and I'm stuck at that number for the rest of my life. Well, you might hate it. Yeah. You might, say you stop diet, say a person stops dieting mm-hmm. and they gain weight. I did. I mean, if I can say a number, we usually don't say numbers, but um, so if you're triggered by this, fast forward mm-hmm. a little bit, like, <laughs> I'm 50 pounds heavier than when I was modeling and I'm so much happier. Mm-hmm. Had you told me that 50 pounds ago, I'd be like, that's hilarious because I hate my body now. So how could I gain 50 pounds and be okay with it? But it's like, and I mean, that was over like six years and having two babies. So it's not like it happened overnight. Right. But it's just like, the more comfortable you become in yourself, you're just like, hey man, <laughs> it is what it is. And I'm going to eat if I'm freaking hungry. Mm-hmm. I don't care what my body's up to at the moment. And just really enjoying life because what I really see with the the pleasure piece is like a lot of the life we live is how Mm. it looks. Like we don't want to be super thin or thinner or to lose weight for ourselves. People will say that, but no, if no one else could see your body, you would not care what your body looks like. (laughs) Let's be real. I think so. Yeah, for sure. So so it's like, we're living Mm -hmm. a life to a lot of our lives for how it looks on the outside. Mm. There's very little of our lives that we truly live just for ourselves and for our own pleasure of life and enjoying life. And when you are an intuitive eater, mm. you can enjoy your body and say, hey, even if I don't love the way every bit looks, this is me. Mm. And then you find that partner who is into that too. <laughs> that yeah. You live in peace together instead of, instead of, it's so sad when we hear of like people who've been dieting for 20, 30 years, they've been married for 20, 30 years and they're like, they've gained weight over those 20 and 30 years because as you age, that can happen. And, and they've stopped dieting and all this stuff. And they're like so uncomfortable with their partners because they weren't accepting of themselves when they met mm. their partner. And so it's now like, are you going to like the real me now that I've stopped trying to be small as possible? Mm-hmm. And that sucks. So it's like being able to just be yourself and have your partner be cool with that and then be able to eat the food you love and not feel guilty about it, genuinely enjoy food instead of either being restricting or shoveling it in your face and I'm going to start again on Monday. Yeah, I mean, I can I can definitely share like personally, I've had, you know, relationships in the past where I had a, a partner who basically, now that I'm thinking right. about it, was weight shaming me mm-hmm. and would ask me to get on the scale every morning mm-hmm. and told me, like what my my weight goal should be. And that as soon as I get there, that he would like reward me. 
You also were, I just want to say, like, we we love like, men on this show. And, and this was like, thank you, something next. that you set up with him, right? But he didn't Moving hold you on. accountable to all of this? No. Fuck really? no. Mm. Fuck no. It was me trying to please oh. him. Yeah. No. <laughs> and now I'm with somebody who I've been arranged, you know, and he doesn't, like, it's, if you have somebody who's like weight shaming you in a relationship, like I'm just going to personally say like, I don't think that that's okay. And you can fool yourself into just like, just like Katie was saying, like I would tell my friends that like, no, no, we're in this together. And like, I want this too. Ah! When really on the inside, I was just Mm -hmm. mortified and felt like shit Mm -hmm. because he could not accept me for who I was. Mm -hmm. And, and that's just not okay. You know, if you're in a relationship like that, like I think, think twice about like, if that's, who you want to spend the rest of your life with. <laughs> so, yeah. Bye. <laughs> yes. 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 Exactly. Yeah, basically. Lindsay, Sugar, and myself have experienced true transformation in our lives by doing Clit Talk podcast. And we've been thinking a lot about how can we take our 150 plus episodes and take the best things and put it into a digital course to deliver to you so you can get your results fast. We are so excited and we feel like we have created something that is going to provide value to you. We are launching a sample of our sex and empowerment digital course at the end of May. What we're promising is that at the end of five days, you'll have a whole new skill set to make more time for yourself, your pleasure. You're going to learn how to identify and communicate your desires effectively. Let me tell you, it would be awesome. The free five-day digital course will take place from May 24th to May 28th, and Clit Talk will be hosting foundation calls each day on Zoom. These calls will typically be about 30 minutes in length, so head on over to our Instagram and click the link in our bio for reals, do this for yourself. It will only enhance your fabulous life. Hey, Clitorati, we wanted to take a quick minute to share about our Patreon. You know, we absolutely love being able to create weekly episodes and continue to normalize our message of pleasure on earth. Our Patreon is a monthly subscription crowdfunding platform that allows us here at Clit Talk to have the flexibility to expand our message without having to worry about how it's going to financially impact us personally. We are committed to expanding and creating new and exciting things like live events and a safe VIP community so you can share and be heard in real time. So if Clit Talk makes a difference for you and you'd like to connect with us on a whole new behind the scenes level, please consider supporting our Patreon. Your support makes a huge difference for us so we can make a difference for you. Yeah. um, What do you have to say to the people who are listening to this and they kind of think, oh, intuitive eating, that's bullshit. You know, like, what do you say to the people who are just like, this is bullshit. This is people who just want to eat whatever they want to eat. Well, I think we have gotten to the point where if somebody doesn't care or they're not open, we are okay with that. Like, we just don't give energy to that. We don't need to convince Mm. anybody. And bye-bye. Yeah, kind of like if if somebody's like curious and open to learning, then of course we will share all about it. We we love talking about this; this is our thing. Um, But yeah, if somebody says that's BS, or they say fat phobic comments or things that are absolutely rude and horrible, then yeah, it's like okay, bye. Go have 
you go do your, your fasting or whatever you call it, because (laughs) that's, that's fine with us. Like everybody still has body autonomy. Like we're not going to go shame people if they're dieting and go tell them, well, you have to be an intuitive eater. You have to learn this undieting thing because this is the way, and this is you like to, I wish we could, because it would make the world a a better place, I believe, but we're not going (laughs) to do that. Like it's body autonomy. Go, go do your thing. That's cool. Go diet. And we're going to do our thing. So I do kind of have like a specific weird question now that this just came up. Like, what do you say to the people who are like, say, intermittent fasting for like, because they've Mm. heard it can reduce your risk of cancer and it's not necessarily to lose weight. Does that, does that like things like that, does that somehow live in the world of intuitive eating or how does that relate to intuitive eating? It it doesn't, but um, Mm. uh, what I would always say is for people to look Mm. at their own personal experience. Like for me, I, when I was dieting, I would have said, it's great. Look how much willpower I have. I was also binge eating right. every single weekend. I mm. was thinking about food all day, every day. So I was just in denial of all the side effects, all the negative side effects mm. of restriction because I was skinny and getting praised and fitting into the world's idea of what I should look like. I was modeling. I was valued for the way I looked and the way I looked alone. So yeah. of course I'm going to ignore all the side effects mm. and that must be me. I'm binge eating. I got to get that under control. Uh, girl, you weren't eating anything all week. Like your body's starving. And people might say, well, well, I eat enough. It's like, if you're restricting and saying, okay, I'm going to eat healthy on the weekdays and then I'll have my treats on the weekends. That is dieting. If you are restricting the way you eat in any way that is dieting. And people say, so I should just eat pizza all day. If you were truly listening to your body, your body doesn't want pizza all day, every day. Mm. Your body wants variety. It wants salads. It wants donuts. It wants smoothies that wants pizza. It wants all the foods in the amounts that feel good. And now I can eat dessert and not feel sick after because I'm not like, I've got to get it in because I'm starting my diet again tomorrow. I can just have a lovely amount that feels mm. good and move on with my day. And I promise you that's healthier for my mm. body and my mind um, than waiting till noon to eat but I'm starving. So I'm just waiting. And like my whole morning Mm. is I can't even focus because I'm hungry and just waiting for that eating window to open. Like that's just not a way I want to live. And (laughs) as someone, Lauren and I are both in grad school as well to become therapists. And as we're doing more and more research and we're doing papers and we're kind of getting more into the scientific side of this sort of stuff, along with all the other things we're studying, it's like, do mm. you know how like scientific right. papers are reported and how the kind of headlines they can take from a paper that's complete bullshit and tell mm. us, hey, this is actually really good for you. When it's like, <laughs> okay, one line in that whole study said something and they take that and skew it. Like what we've been taught, unless you can know how to read a scientific paper and you can go do all the research yourself, like you can't just trust one headline. So mm. um one of the examples was, oh, well, it's always for weight loss. Like something can be reported to have statistically significant weight loss. Okay, so that statistically significant weight loss is 5%. So that's a 200 person, 200 pound person losing 10 pounds. Is that life-changing? That 200 no. person is now a 190 pound person. <laughs> Whoop-dee-doo. Definitely not. <laughs> and that's initial weight loss. That is not talking about if it's sustained or not. So that, they can say this program works. Oh, this one person, well, obviously it's a vast, a lot of people they study, but these people lost 10 pounds 
end, you you look at the actual stats and it's like, and 50% actually didn't make it to the end of the program. And it's like, we're only left with this handful of people who were successful. Because if you weren't successful, why would you continue? So it's like, it's right. so skewed. All the facts were given, all the quote unquote nutritional, like uh, facts and figures and weight, especially weight studies are so skewed. And they're just, they keep being reported with the lens of, but of course we've got to figure out how to lose weight guys. So we better keep trying <laughs> mm-hmm. because that's the most important thing we could do is all be thin. So we can't give up even though nothing has worked yet. So I'm sitting here. Um, I just <laughs> absorbing what you're saying. This is the first time I've heard thin privilege and I definitely have that. Um, and then you said the thing about like, oh, if you're restricting your eating, like I'll want to eat, you know, chocolate almonds throughout the day, just like little ones, but I will restrict myself, you know, like to a certain extent. So is there some sort of structure that you set up? Because I'm really good with parameters and stuff. And it's, it's again, like a control thing, right? Like I'm not sure where I'm at if I don't have some sort of baseline structure to fluctuate between. So it's kind of like a mind fuck for me right now. That's why this work is so hard. Yeah. <laughs> there is. <laughs> we, really teach, we teach people to like, trust your body. Like that's what we really try to get, get you to is body trust and to relearn your body signals because through dieting, or maybe if you haven't dieted or you're, you're still, you know, you said you put yourself on parameters or restrictions. Sometimes it's like your body might be saying something, but then you're denying it. So everybody who's been through dieting for years and years and years, they've lost touch with their body and with their signals. So they don't know what the heck is going on. They need rules. They need guidelines. They don't even know anything about their bodies. So that's why it's really scary in the beginning when you do this work, because it's like the rules kind of just go out the window because we don't have rules. We don't want to put you on any parameters. Um, And it's kind of like, just explore, get curious start to listen to your body and trust that you guys are on the same team and you're working together and there's no timeline to this work, but you will get to a place where you're just going to be able to listen to your body and just eat and that's it. <sighs> Nothing else. <laughs> I'm going to kind of add a thing on to because like Lauren's part is so important, but then there's also the other side of like, if you're going to do this work, you have to do mm-hmm. it. You can't just say, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just going to start by like letting myself have the almonds. It's like, you're, you're messed up if you're not fully allowing. Because mm-hmm. yeah, you might think I won't eat chocolate oh almonds all day. Mm. I'll tell you, if I eat chocolate almonds all day, I'd feel sick, but I let myself eat whatever I want. So how does that work? Because I am yeah. so abundant in my mindset with food. Mm-hmm. I have unconditional permission to eat whatever I want. I have three bags of chips in my pantry right now. I've got ice cream in the freezer. Oh my God, my mom brought apple crisp over today. I just remembered. Like I didn't, (laughs) I forgot that she brought that today because I'm just like, whatever. I eat whatever I want, whenever I want. And that makes you like sit back and go, okay, I can eat whatever I want right now. What do I actually want? What would feel good? What would sound good? But when you're starting, you think, well, I'm just going to eat chocolate all day, every day, because that's what I always want. And I have to restrict myself. It's like, that's because you have restriction. Like the restriction causes the food obsession. The restriction makes you 
makes you feel like you want chocolate all day when really. And you might start that way. You might start off by eating a <laughs> shitload of chocolate. Because you haven't let yourself do it for 10 years. Yes. <laughs> So Frank, go all out. I have cookies in my in my cabinet right now, and I just take two out. Like if I had one the day before, I'm like, no, I have to wait a few more days. And like I'll buy Girl Scout cookies, I'll buy ten boxes, and those are all the cookies that I can have for the year. <laughs> I that was like, the Katie, Katie likes like, control. Like it's just something that I do because. It's just something that I've done, not even like, oh, because I'm dieting or, oh, because I can't eat cookies. It's just like something that I'm noticing in this conversation right. that I do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's and I want to, I want to, I want to switch okay. gears a little bit because you just had, you like this last week, you guys just had a fantastic documentary come out called Behind the Before and After. Can you guys, and I watched it. It's, it's talk about a mind fuck. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and it's so well done. I, I want to watch it again though, because it, like if this, like for the people listening, if this conversation is getting you thinking like Katie's losing her mind, go watch their documentary right now. So, but can you guys tell us a little bit about, <clears throat> give the people a little sneak peek, how they can access the documentary? Because I think it's something that everybody really should be watching. Absolutely. So kind of the premise of it is we do see before and afters online. You think, oh, well, she can do it. I can do it. So we actually talk to people who are who have had big successful weight loss stories, plus experts like the creator of intuitive eating and researchers and doctors and a bunch of people who can lend their credibility to this work. Um, and we said, like, so what was really going on in there? We have a person who was on The Biggest Loser. We have someone who's on the cover of a magazine for losing over 100 pounds. Um, the Birds Papaya, lots of people follow her, so they might know who that is. Um, and a bunch of other people who were like, yeah, these are the pictures I posted. And I was binge eating, miserable. I was unhappy. All the weight came back anyways. But we just see the snapshot. And so we think, oh, everyone's doing it but me. So there must be a problem with me. When in fact, the statistics are a bit broader now, but it's like 80 to 95% of people um, are unsuccessful when they attempt to lose weight. And two thirds gain back more weight than they lost in the first place. So you actually end up heavier. So if you truly, if you do want to lose weight, don't try to pursue weight loss. It's the body's mechanism of saving your life, really, even though we don't like that. Um, But yeah, the documentary kind of just shares the scientific side, as well as personal stories of people who've lost a lot of weight. And it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Um, Many have gained the weight back. And just telling kind of the real stories of what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. It was... It's so important to hear the real stories. The real yeah. Things, well, the Instagram life, out. like, you know, the quote unquote, insta- your Insta life, I think is screwing a lot of people up today. You know, it's <laughs> like with filters and like, you can make your, you can, you can, they literally have apps that like make you look skinny. It's insane. It's like, crazy. Um, but it's, it's, but I think so many women are tempted to do it because everyone else is doing it. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. like, wait, if they're not, well, if real. they're not real, I'm not going to be real. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to be that yeah. easy. And I, and I would love to sit here and say that I'm not wrapped up in it and I've never used a filter or I've never used the Facetune app in my life. And like, that'd be a lie. So like, I'm here admitting it. I've done it too. 
And I would love to get to the other side of that where I didn't feel the pressure to. And I do see intuitive eating is an access to that, which is really great. And that's why I think the work that you guys are doing is so powerful. Um, and so... Just a, just a little nugget yeah. for a go from that because I just think it's so important. Yeah. It's yeah. like... Yes. There's that side of us that wants to kind of get the praise and the compliments and puts out that fake face, whether it's through filters or trying to lose weight or whatever. And yeah, you get the, I was talking about this with a client recently, like you get that instant high of like the, all the likes and the compliments, even if it's in real life, all the compliments, oh my God, you look so good. It is so fleeting. When you mm-hmm. truly get to a place of like, hey, is this is me world. Even if you get a hundredth of the attention, God, it is so much more fulfilling to be mm-hmm. like, hey, that person is accepting me for me and this is real and this is a real connection mm-hmm. and it's based on vulnerability and like, and souls connecting instead of, oh my gosh, you look so good. You're fitting into society's ideal of what you should look like. Good for you. Like that feels oh good God. momentarily, but that is why we're always seeking, seeking, seeking is because it goes away so fast. And I, what I, yeah, and just remember people can still like be beautiful just because you're not pursuing weight loss. It's just the idea of what people have. It's mainstream. It's like the idea is thinner is beautiful. Long hair is beautiful. Makeup is beautiful. Like, yeah, that can be beautiful as well, but fat bodies can be beautiful. And so can all different types of hair. And so can all different types of colors and shapes and size and and all that. It's just like, if you want to bring the beauty industry into this too, it just gets nuts. (laughs) It gets nuts. So it's like, it's just what lens are you looking through? Mm-hmm. And that's what Jenna and I try to do with our clients is help them see through a different mm-hmm. lens and break down the belief systems to create a new belief. Because honestly, yeah. that's just what diet culture and the beauty industry is. It's just, they just created something out of thin air and everybody followed it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also noticed for myself that I have different standards for other women than I do for myself. <laughs> so I've, I'm somebody who's... <laughs> I'm so, I'm I'm someone who's attracted to both men and women and the women that I'm attracted to personally this is just me personally are like voluptuous and curvy and and you know but then I'm like I want to be this fitness skinny chick but that's not even what I'm attracted <laughs> to and it's like what the mm. fuck I look like I, like why I want to look like what I don't think is attractive like what the fuck is up with my head you know it's mm-hmm. so weird <laughs> It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we get all these downloads, yeah. you know, these subconscious downloads constantly from our in surroundings, everything we read, everything we see. And mm-hmm. that's, I feel like there's so many parallels between your conversation of mm-hmm. undieting and our conversation of dismantling mm-hmm. shame around sex. Mm-hmm. And it's really beautiful to, um, to hear, to hear this in a completely parallel way. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. Yeah approaching your food and approaching your body is access to <laughs> pleasure, I think, the way that you guys are doing it. And so thank you so much for being here and introducing this concept to us. For anyone else who's listening who can really relate to that, can you tell us a little bit about your app and your podcast and how can people get in touch with you? What are the different ways that they can work with you and um, how can they stay in touch with you? Well, our app is called the Undiet Collective and you can um, watch the film for free on the app. That's where you can screen it. Um, You can get it in the app store. Uh, So in Apple, Android, you could do either one. Um, So there is a free version of the app that you can take on. But if you do want like the support from the app, which is 
community support groups and a lot of different resources like live coaching and monthly bonuses where we have expert speakers and, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of cool things going on each month. Um, then that's, you can get a paid version as well. You can, you know, check it out with the free version first and then head on into the premium version, or you can just go either way. Um, so yeah, you can find us in the app store. We also have, you know, a link through our website. If you want to go to thebodylifesociety.com, you can go to the collective and there's also a web version. Um, but that's, easy about the app. You just go download it in the app store. Uh, we have a podcast called how to love your body. So you can search us anywhere really. Um, and then we also have an Instagram. We are the body love society. And we also have, uh, the undiet collective Instagram. So you can find us many places and yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll have them linked in our description. All their links okay. will be in there for all of you guys to access them as well. So, um, thank you so much for bending our minds into a new possibility of pleasure today. <laughs> um, and really just your stand for this, this movement. And it's very clear that this is such an authentic thing that you guys really believe in and that you're making a difference in the world. And we really, really appreciate that. And um, so thank you. Just thank you for coming on today and being with us. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And uh, with that clitorati, we are going to see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clit Talk. Be sure to visit clittalkshow.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at clittalkshow for your clit fix in between episodes.